Where it's always morning, even in the afternoon. I'm your host, Jay Edgar, and I'm joined to the right of the screen, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Elaine. Elaine, how was uh, how was your week here? I know it uh, seems like it was a little bit hectic. You were talking about just before we went live. Yeah, it was it was a little crazy. Anything uh, anything good? Anything news to need to share? Anything else like that, or just a lot of craziness no. <laughs> and a lot of stuff to? I know you and I have uh, talked just a bit about it uh, off mic and. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you for anything else that you uh, consider to be craziness here, but uh, you're a strong things one. That I do not, things that I do not share online. <laughs> and yet things that I still know about here. But, uh, well, in spite of all that, the news stops for nobody, and we've got a bunch of stuff here. I think the era of these big major news stories that take up the entire week is gone because we are just a smattering of all sorts all sorts of fun shit all over the place at this point here. I don't know if you noticed that or not when you were looking at the document, but uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely not going to be like like it was under the Trump era of, uh, you know, this is the one thing that everybody's panicking about for an entire week. And, <laughs> oh, here's a bunch of other stuff that sat along the side of this here. So anyway, we are streaming live right now to Trovo, YouTube, DLive, Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, and Elaine's Facebook as well. And hey, if you want to get on into the chat over there, you can find links in the description for the YouTube, the DLive, the Twitch. If you guys want to subscribe and check out my other show as well, you can also find us over on the Freedom Scoop Media Group, or you can once our dust settles. We are still rebuilding over there, so go back and check us out. If you can't catch us live, you know, you can catch us back on demand over on YouTube and over on BitChute.com as well, or on the audio platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. So go and check us out in all of those places there. Um, I know we've got, uh, the Facebook crowd coming in probably going on. Wow. 50 mm-hmm. viewers. I see Opar on the live chat there. That's, uh, that's incredible here. So we've got to get into it. Definitely do here. And I'm going to start off with the story about, uh, well, about Kamala Harris. I don't know if, uh, you're very interested in that or not, but uh, we do have to talk about it. We've got autoplay going as usual. I can't scroll either. Come on. There it goes. All right. <laughs> well, so they put up a picture of Kamala Harris in the uh, in the National Mall here. Shattered glass installation in D.C. dedicated to Kamala Harris. And it looks about like that. So I don't know if you've seen that or not. But, uh, yeah, we've got that here. 
Uh, Marissa Schultz writes, a Swiss artist memora- uh, memorialized Vice President Kamala Harris's history-making win in a shattered glass installation that's on display in Washington, D.C., outside the Lincoln Memorial. And yeah, it's, I don't know if they're just doing the shattered glass in this because they want to uh, memorialize the glass ceiling that she shattered. But uh, I mean, this is a cult at this point. I don't know. What do you think about all this? I mean, honestly, I think it's kind of appropriate. Like, I mean, I get the, I don't, maybe not appropriate is the right word, but I would say that I get the metaphor that they're trying to, you know, work with. The shattering the glass ceiling. I mean, that's been a phrase for a really long time. And in many ways, it it really has, there really has been a glass ceiling in politics for women for a very, very long time. Um, I've talked about it before on the, uh, on TikTok and things like that uh, about how for a really long, I mean, okay. So history lesson, the libertarian party had a female vice presidential candidate in the seventies and an openly gay presidential candidate in the seventies as well. So we could have done all this a lot sooner (laughs) if we really wanted to. (laughs) It just, it blows my mind with uh, Harris because I mean, I don't know if you remember the primaries or anything like that, but uh, nobody yeah. liked her in the primaries. And now no. she's like this religious figure to the point that they do have to have the shattered glass image of her sitting across from the Washington Monument. You can see it in the background. It's in the Lincoln Park. Uh, it's in the Mall Reflecting Pool. It's right up against the shore. Yeah, that's crazy. But they'll worship whoever they worship and the government is God. So uh, we'll see what I happens. Go ahead. There was There was definitely worship for the previous president as well. And there definitely was worship with um, other prior presidents like Obama. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this is really anything new, honestly. I mean, I think ultimately it boils down to people that worship the state, period. They worship the people that hold those positions. Yes. And if it's a Democrat, it's one side of the aisle. And if it's a Republican, it's the other side of the aisle. So to me, it's all pretty equal here. It is indeed. Um, did you see Pisaki's comments on the Space Force this week? The Guardians of the Galaxy, you mean? Now, it wasn't that one. She didn't put that one out, but she was as dismissive of it as uh, as you could pretty much be sitting in her position here. Let's have a listen to that. May I ask whether the president has made a decision on keeping or keeping the scope of Space Force? Wow, Space Force. It's the plane of today. Um, It is an interesting question. Um, I am happy to check with our Space Force point of contact. I'm not sure who that is. I will find out and see if we have any update on that. It's it's as dismissive as you can be, honestly, with that. And I mean, I don't think that we needed the Space Force yet. No. But it's better to have it and not need it, then need it and not have it. And I don't look except, at- Except it's just another bucket for the government to dump defense spending in. It's just one more reason for them to expand that budget. So in that way, I'm just like, if if the government was really serving its intended purpose, would we have a need for Space Force? Sure, like I can see that. I mean, we have private companies now going into space. Tesla's doing it. There are others that are doing it that are making, huge strides and it's obviously not beyond the realm of possibility that we will eventually run into another species that inhabits 
the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we already have the UFO files. Like, they've already released those. That's already been declassified. That's very exciting. Um, so there are others out there. Um how close are we to actually making contact with them? Who knows? It could be 20 years. It could be 200. Um, but they have certainly already tried to make contact with us, clearly. So I don't know. Like, at this point, I just feel like it's another it's another government program for them. To, or it's another reason for them to say, we need more defense spending. Space Force. Scary well, aliens. Nah. The thing Mars space, attack. <laughs> the, the thing with Space Force for me was never it. I never looked at this as like Starfleet and you know various laser battles going on in the sky and in space or anything. I don't think the Borg is right. on our doorstep or anything like that. But from space, it would be a good place to identify and possibly intercept an intercontinental ballistic missile. Which that is something that you know with all the saber and yes, see. But do you trust the government to not attempt to colonize literally everything? Because I don't. I don't think they have the technology to get there yet, but yes, I do understand where you're going. They don't with that. care. We have two countries that are still fighting over a rock in the middle of the ocean by, and they just go, I think it's like Denmark and Canada or something. Every couple of years, a ship passes by and they land, they take the other country's flag and they put theirs in. Like it's just ongoing and it's literally just a rock. No one inhabits it. It's just a rock. So if you don't think that someone wouldn't love to just go around and play plant the flag on all the planets, you're crazy. They already planted one on the moon. Exactly. Uh, looks like the Joint Chiefs of Staff have uh, demanded an apology from her for this one, but, you know, we'll see where that one goes. I saw you laughing about this right before we went live here. According to Newsweek this week, Jimmy Kimmel has sparked anger because he called the Reddit investors Russian disruptors. <laughs> Because everything has got to be Russians, according to it's his alert at this point. Russia or China, depending on if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, pretty much at this point. Uh, Donald see. Trump never stopped talking about China. China, okay. And Joe Biden yeah. and the Democrats never stopped talking about Russia. Uh, let's see. According to Newsweek, the quote was, now the hedge fund guys are upset and they're pushing for an investigation and they're like, we can't have a bunch of randos from Reddit manipulating the market. That's what we do, stealing our things. But yeah, he went right on there and said that the Reddit users were Russian investors. Did you see the Reddit commercial on the Super Bowl yesterday? I didn't watch the Superb Owl. <laughs> I didn't watch it either, but I saw the uh, people were flip, uh, like they were floating around the meme of it. It was like a five-second commercial. And it just like, it just said you know what? The little guys can all band together and win. Come join Reddit. And that was it. I would I would really like to know if Reddit has experienced like a huge surge in like new accounts over the last two weeks. Well, I mean, I had a Reddit account, but I never used it for anything. I just had it because I was informed that that was a good way to sometimes watch football. There was a, a subreddit about finding football when you don't have cable. Oh, okay. And that's pretty much all that I ever used it for. And then all of a sudden, hey, now there's this. So now I'm actually giving it a second look. But I think for the most part, it's going to stay a left-wing echo chamber. And I really, if I want to go on a left-wing echo chamber, I'll just go back on Twitter. Oh, well, fine then. (laughs) You're Um, too good for us now. What's that? You're too good for us now on Twitter. I'm still on Twitter. (laughs) I know you are. Uh, Joe Biden 
decided that he needed to defend his numerous uses of his uh, executive orders throughout the week. Let's have a listen to what that sounded like. These uh, three different uh, executive orders are about. And I want to make it clear, there's a lot of talk with good reason about the number of executive orders that I have signed. I'm not making new law. I'm eliminating bad policy. Um, what I'm doing is taking on the issues that 99% of them that the president, the last president of the United States, issued executive orders I thought were very counterproductive to our security, counterproductive to who we are as a country, particularly in, uh, in, uh, in the area of immigration. This is about uh, how America is safer, stronger, more prosperous when we have a fair, orderly, and uh, humane legal immigration system. I'm not making new policy. I'm just eliminating bad policy. So what about the cages that Obama and Biden built? Are we just not talking about those? They're not cages anymore. Oh, they're, what are, what did he call them? Humane? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. They're overflow facilities now. Oh, okay. Because that makes them so much better. Um, For your curiosity, because I'm sure that you are, and if you are not, then there are probably some people watching that are. He's defending his use of executive orders. Barack Obama signed 276 executive orders. Donald Trump signed 220. Mm-hmm. We'll see where Biden lands. I, I just, I can't get over the fact that he actually came out and said, I don't even know what I'm signing, man. I <laughs> his. That's hilarious. Uh, progressives are coming back out to try and do the same thing that they do every year. According to the Daily Wire, progressive Democrats behind Ocasio-Cortez win, looking to primary Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. And I know that uh, you've uh, done some defending on Kirsten Cinema, and I've done a little bit of de- uh, defense I, on Joe Manchin himself. So he's not the worst. I mean, of people of people in Congress that I would like to see unseated, she's not even in the top twenty. Like she just isn't, mm-hmm. even for a Democrat. She's she's pretty okay. Like middle of the road, you know, not not awful. Now, not awful doesn't mean great, <laughs> but yeah, she's not in my top twenty of people that I would like to see ushered out of Congress immediately. Well, and you were telling me too. I think it was off mic. I, I think we were off air when we were talking about this. But uh, you were telling me that a, a a Southwest Democrat is a lot different than like a New York Democrat too. Oh yeah, I mean, the political parties are very regional. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have you have Republicans in Massachusetts. Are they the same as a Republican in Tennessee? Definitely not. I don't know. Let's ask Mitt Romney. He's Utah. <laughs> well, he, different. he used to be the governor of Massachusetts. He was actually the governor of Massachusetts when I lived there. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. And he was the one that started the ACA, too. Mm, no, that was Hillary Clinton. Anyway, um, so they're going to go out. They're going to try and uh, ban- uh, primary these people out because, you know, they're not towing the progressive agenda. And they came out and said they're not going to end the filibuster. Both both of them actually came out and said that. So, you know, that's not good enough for AOC and Cenk Uyghur. No. Mm -mm. No, I mean, and that goes back to that schism that I've talked about before. Like, there's definitely a schism on the right, and we've seen that come to fruition with people just 
jumping ship from the Republican Party in the last month or so, um, either because they love Trump and they want to form that third Patriot Party or whatever, or because they're just totally disgusted with the direction that the Republican Party is going and they feel more politically homeless than anything. A lot of them are registering either unaffiliated or independent. Um, but there's also the same thing happening on the left between the moderate Democrats and the progressives. Mm -hmm. So that's going to come to a head at some point too. And I hate to say it, but it's going to be hastened by more extreme progressives like the squad winning their elections. So the more of them that you get in there, that voice gets bigger and more uh, progressives in the party feel emboldened. So they're going to start pushing on those moderate Democrats and the moderate Democrats are a lot of the establishmentarianism or establishmentarians on that side. And they're the ones with all the power. So they're just going to be like, sit down, sit down. No, we've, we're taking care of this. The adults are talking. <laughs> And that's just going to piss the progressives off more and more. So we're we're going to see that, you know, happen too. And I've said for a long time, I mean, I grew up in a Union Democrat household. My parents are very strong Union Democrats who can't even think of the <clears throat> idea of pulling the lever for a Republican in their lives, no matter what. And the I've been watching the progressive agenda come through. The progressive agenda and the Union Democrat agenda do not mix. No. Mm -mm. No. So that's going to come, well, I mean, the populist Trump wing. And... Because they're not actually pro-worker. Well, exactly. At all. I mean, the first thing Biden did was shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. That's not pro-worker. I mean, if that's your only issue, that's not pro-worker. There were definitely other issues that, you know, played into that. But, I mean, I think I said it last week. Like, at this point, Reddit saved some jobs for GameStop and AMC. Like they've done a better job at saving jobs than Biden has. He's put more people out of work than like immediately mm -hmm. than anyone has in a, a long time by signing that executive order or revoking that executive order or whatever it was. He has. Uh, tell me a bit about Jeff Bezos. Cause I see that he's stepping down this, uh, this week. Yeah, no, he's stepping down. He announces that he's going to step down in the third quarter to focus on annihilating Superman. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if Elon Musk is going to become Batman, we have to have a supervillain. And I feel like Jeff Bezos is like the most likely because Bill Gates is just too old. Also, Jeff Bezos has that Lex Luthor kind of going on thing. I mean, I know we're like crossing universes and stuff, but mm -hmm. like, who cares? Whatever. Anyways, um, he will leave his post later this year, turning the company over to top cloud executive Andy Jassy. Jassy joined Amazon in 1997 and has led the web services cloud team since its inception. That has obviously been a huge part of their business because Amazon exists 100% online. Mm-hmm. So uh, Bezos say, said he will stay engaged in important Amazon projects, but will also have more time to focus on the Bezos Earth Fund, his Blue Origin spaceship company, the Washington Post, and the Amazon Day One Fund. So not only do we have Bill Gates buying up large swaths of farmland in the United States, but now Jeff Bezos is going to focus on his Earth Fund. If you're not worried yet, are you under a rock? Yeah, it's I'm 
unfettered capitalism is it's a good thing but i mean that's not what we're seeing anymore it's these companies are paying people to get this little guys up out of their way and they're doing that in in a way where they can go through they can buy up farmland they can go try to run a space force they can do all kinds of other things with that and I didn't think that Bezos was going to walk away from this entirely. He's still going to be pay, being paid a buttload of money for this project. Absolutely. There's no reason that he's not going to. But it's... Yeah. I do have to wonder if there's something else going on with that. I really do. But also, I mean, I don't I don't remember how old Jeff Bezos is, but I think he's in his 50s. I mean, if you were in your 50s and you were running a company like Amazon and you also you know, had this earth fund, a, sp a spaceship company, the Washington post and another foundation, like that's a lot of work. I mean, granted he's got the money to pay people, but that's a whole lot to keep up with. And he just went through a divorce. You know, he's probably just kind of wanting to retake a little bit of his time. You think? I don't know. It's, I guess it's weird for me, especially given oh, the fact 57. that he's, he's, 57. he's 57. And I would imagine that he doesn't, I mean, when you create a company like that and you amass so much wealth, granted, it's not like an actual number in his bank account. It's probably, a lot of it's probably tied up in assets, but, um, and stocks and things like that. But at 57, like you're probably like most people at 57 are looking at retirement within the next 10 years ish. Yeah. So maybe he's just looking at that like, yeah, I want to focus on my more fun projects rather than my company because I want to enjoy retirement at some point. Where do you think this goes after he's gone? I don't know. I really don't. But it sounds like Andy Jassy has been running a big portion of the company for a very long time. So, I mean, Amazon started in 1994 and Jassy's worked there since 97. So he's been there since pretty much the beginning. And <clears throat> I mean, I think the only person who's probably been there longer than him was Bezos now ex-wife, Mackenzie. Uh -huh. um, so it sounds like there's a lot of trust in that relationship. And he's probably the best person for the job and they'll probably just continue on the track that you know made them the most successful okay well we got to actually keep moving off of this we're uh okay. already running up on the clock here tell me what well, we're gonna break the first rule of bug fight club so tell me about bug fight club yeah the first rule of bug fight club is we don't talk about insect fight club oh, uh, so university of arizona researchers started a bug fight club to study weapons evolution. So battling bugs in body armor, <laughs> it says, is not the plot for a new television series, but the reality at the University of Arizona. Some brawling beetles are helping solve mysteries about weapons in the animal kingdom. We all know the first rule of Fight Club, but in this bug fight club, there's a lot of talking. Uh, the researchers collected 300 insects from the Tucson desert, outfitted them with leather body armor and staged one-on-one -on -one fights i'm sorry but have you ever been to arizona there are so many things there that already want to kill you why would you make them like indestructible this just sounds like a terrible idea <laughs> let's just make it worse it's like it's like if you gave a camel spider body armor like why would you do that 
I don't know. I think that would actually be kind of badass. I'm not going to lie. No. <laughs> Those things are like this big. <laughs> I know. That's why I said it would be badass. Jesus Christ. Why is so much autoplay out here? God damn it. Uh, the researchers say that all of this was to find out why weapons differ among species and to test how different weapons relate to how much damage is caused. Okay. I don't think that's what it was. I think it's they wanted to put bugs in a cage and have them fight to the death. Yeah, I really think they just want to have cage fights. I would love to see the arena. I wonder if they decorated it. Do they play intro music? Do they have backstories? Do they have names? I, have no I want idea. to know their fight club names. I have so many questions. I have so many questions. <laughs> but anyways, I shared this story on my Facebook page last week. And the um, the, the prevailing opinion was that uh, libertarians will tolerate excessive government spending if it produces entertainment like this. <laughs> so, they didn't seem to mind as much that it costs $135 million and change to, to do this because, you know, it was hilarious. All right, the saga of Kyle Rittenhouse has not ended. According to ABC News, Wisconsin prosecutors seek Rittenhouse arrest and higher bond because, and this is the best part of this, because he'd failed to give them his new address, and the prosecutor had said that even if he gives the new address, the prosecutor is just going to dox it back out. So Rittenhouse has been getting death threats because he's Kyle Rittenhouse, and every progressive in the world knows that he shot back, and... Now that they want him, want his head on a pike. Well, he's been getting death threats at the place he has to live in Wisconsin because he's on trial for murder. He's not allowed to cross state lines. So he's moved on to a safe house. Well, he failed to give his change of address within 48 hours. When he approached the prosecutor because his address was doxed out, the prosecutor said he was not going to keep the new address a secret. What? So Rittenhouse declined to give him the new address. I mean, I probably would have too. That 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 is definitely not ethical. I don't know if it's legal or not, but it's definitely not ethical. Yeah, there is a reason I call the uh, the Kenosha County prosecutor a persecutor because uh, that's what he is. And remember, I used to live in that county. I've dealt with that asshole before. So that's uh that's the next thing off of this. Uh, this point it does not appear that Rittenhouse has been rearrested so he is still back out on bond and uh they're asking to have him arrested raise the bond but thus far nothing's happened okay uh Interesting. the week of impeachment is up here and back on to us and they tried to get trump to come back and testify during the impeachment and he said no oh. from cnn color me surprised Really? From Trump? No, I'm not surprised at all that he does not want to testify. Why would he want really? to go back to D.C.? From Trump? That guy, you, the worst place that you could uh, ever Ellie be. Ellie Honig. We, so Democratic impeachment managers are asking Trump to testify. Everything's got an autoplay at this point. You, you need to, like, fix that. Well, some of the stuff, like Fox News, you can't fix it because they just they do it automatically. But uh, what's the most dangerous place to be? between Donald Trump and a camera. That guy loves the camera. He loves to get except up he's, Except he is now convinced and knows for sure that everyone or most most people that said that they were on his side are actually not. Like McConnell doesn't give a shit what happens to Donald Trump now. 
And, um, and most of the other establishment Republicans are the same way. Like they just don't care. They're just, they're done. They are done with the circus. They did not like that pony ride. They are <laughs> over it. Um, and he's obviously not a friend of the media. He hates all of the media outlets. I mean, there was a point in time where he thought Fox was okay. Now he hates them too. So why would he? Like, what incentive is there for him to go back and testify? None. He knows that the media is going to vilify him. He knows that the establishment is not going to stand by him. The only people still on his side are the base. That's it. And they have no power in this situation at all. But they have the greatest base, okay? They're the best. Make America great again, okay? All right, I got one more here just because this is, you know, what we we all said this was going to happen and we were all called conspiracy theorists when we said that this was going to happen. Ex-colleague of Hunter Biden's lawyer gets top DOJ post. Uh, this is from Axios. Hunter okay. Biden hired a new attorney to assist with his federal criminal defense a month ago, uh, before his father became president. On Inauguration Day, one of that lawyer's close colleagues was tapped to temporarily lead the Justice Department's criminal division. Uh-huh. <laughs> the swamp's gonna do what the swamp's gonna do. <laughs> So according to Axios, uh, Hunter Biden hired former pro uh, federal prosecutor Chris Clark, a partner at the uh, firm Latham & Watkins. The president's younger son is set to be under investigation for possible tax and money laundering. Uh, let me see. Okay, it's Nicholas McQuaid is going to be the one that's heading up the DOJ temporarily, at least. So I don't mm -hmm. think we have to guess what's going to happen with that. I'm pretty sure that we all know. So that is that. Are you ready to talk about uh, what the audience wanted to talk us uh, want us to talk about last week? Yes, which we had to hold for this week because it was this week's news, not last week's news. Well, that's actually technically not true because this was introduced on the fourth. I found out the fourth of January is when this all actually. Okay. I went into as deep of a dive as I could, but mm -hmm. nobody in the mainstream said a word about this. I don't. Why know if, would they? They know it's going to piss people off. I only saw two news uh, firms that reported on this at all. Uh, one is called the Daily Fly from LC Valley, which I've never heard of. And another one, there's another place out of La Crosse, Wisconsin. But I couldn't get them archived in time. And they won't let you read things with an ad block on. And I don't turn my ad block off for people. But from the Daily Fly, and then we'll actually go over a little bit of the text of the bill. And then I want to talk just a bit before we get into the AOC stuff. Because mm -hmm. all this, I think, ties together, and I actually have a snippet from another show on the Freedom Scoop Network where Robert was talking about where all this might tie together here. So um, this came from Sheila Jackson Lee out of Texas, has introduced H.R. 127, which would require gun owners to register their firearms within three months or face legal consequences. According to L.C. Valley, uh, required information is the make, model, and serial number of all firearms, the identity of the owner of the firearm, the date the firearm was acquired by the owner, and where the firearm is or will be stored. A notice specifying the identity of any person to whom, with and any period of time during which the firearm will be loaned to the person. Uh, the transmission required by paragraph 1 shall be made. 
In this case, or in the case of the firearm acquired before the effective date of this section, within three months after the effective date of the section, or in the case of the firearm acquired on or after the effective date, the date the owner acquires the firearm. Um, according to this, the AG shall establish and maintain a database of all firearms registered pursuant to the subsection. And they're giving this right to the executive branch too. Um, the AG shall make the contents of this database accessible to all members of the public, which that's, uh, that's definitely something to watch for. No. All federal, state, and local law enforcement authorities, all branches of the U.S. Armed Forces, and all state and local governments as defined by the Bureau um, licensing, except as otherwise provided in the subsection, the AG shall issue to an individual a license to possess a firearm and ammunition if the individual has attained 21 years of age after applying for the license, undergoes a criminal background check conducted by the National Instant Criminal Background Check System established under Section 103 of the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act, undergoes a psychological evaluation conducted in accordance with the paragraph and the evaluation does not indicate that the individual is psychologically unsuited to possess the firearm successfully completes a training course certified by the ag in the use safety and storage of firearms that includes at least 24 hours of training and before i let you unload on this one the last one demonstrates that on issuance of the license the individual will have in effect an insurance policy Issued under subsection D. Where do you want to begin? That's a lot of legalese there. Where do you want to begin? You didn't tell me I needed bourbon. But I feel like I need bourbon to discuss this. So, one, a registry is bad, period. A public registry is even worse because it's basically just a criminal's laundry list of who has what. And they could just be like, oh, I've been looking for that rare gun. I'm just gonna go take it. <laughs> cool. Or they could just go to a neighborhood, look at all the addresses, like get this database mm -hmm. and then be like, oh, these four houses back here, nobody owns a gun. Okay, cool. In what world is this a good idea? In Sheila Jackson's Lee, uh, Jackson Lee's world, apparently. I think she needs to undergo a psychological evaluation. That's the, the part that actually thing, bothers me is the psychological evaluation. But right, finish your thought. because it's all subjective, mm -hmm. right? It's going to be just like the tyranny that the FAA lords over pilots, where they can lose their pilot's license for literally anything. Like, you don't even have to um, blow over the legal limit to lose your pilot's license. You can just get arrested for a suspected DWI or OWI and lose it. And it will take over a year for you to get it back. Even if all the stuff comes back and says, oh no, you weren't actually under the legal limit. They could decline to press charges and you'll still lose your license. That's exactly what's gonna happen here. They will find any, any and every excuse to take everything that you have, not to mention, it's going to take so much time and money to get registered that it will effectively make it so that only people who are of means can defend themselves. Which that always does seem to be the point too, because remember they keep talking about these new taxes that are going to come out for everything as well. 
and pricing on firearms, which, okay, it's the same thing when you go with a minimum wage hike or another regulation because it's it's only the affluent people that can afford it. It's the big corporations that can afford to keep going with the new minimum wage. I think if this passes, this will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Not in a good way. Defensively, of course. Defensively, of course, because that would be defensively. Because that is effectively nullifying the Second Amendment. Which they've been trying to do for quite a while. Um, Why do you think that they wanted to put up the fencing around the Capitol? It wasn't because Biden was signing executive orders about immigration. It was because of this. And almost nobody heard about this. So they're also obviously going to be banning military-style weapons here, but they actually gave us a list. A handy list of what they consider to be military-style weapons. And I'm reading right now from HR 127 itself. Hold on. I have a prediction. What's that? It's anything black. I mean, I could take my AR and paint it pink, if that helps you. Ah, any of the firearms, copies or duplicates of the firearms in any caliber known as Norinco, Mitchell, and Polytechnologies, Aftomatic, Kalishnikovs, all models, Action Arms, Israeli Military Industries, Uzi in Galil, Beretta AR-70, SC-70, Colt AR-15, because you knew that was going to be on there. Of course. Fabrique National, FNFAL, FNLAR, and FNC. SWD M10, M11, M11-9, and M12. Stayer AUG, Intratech Tech-9, Tech DC-9, and Tech-22, and... Revolving cylinder shotguns such as or similar to the Street Sweeper or Striker 12. Uh, uh, Second definition, semi-automatic rifle that has the ability to uh, accept a detachable magazine and has at least two of a, a folding stock or telescoping stock, a pistol grip that protrudes conspicuously beneath the weapon's action or the weapon, a bayonet mount, a flash suppressor or threaded barrel designed to accommodate a flash suppressor, and or a grenade launcher. C. Okay, so I can see the grenade launcher. Yeah. A semi-automatic (laughs) pistol that has the ability to accept a detachable magazine, which is every semi-automatic pistol, by the way, and it has at least two of an ammunition magazine that attaches to the pistol outside of the pistol grip, a threaded barrel capable of accepting a barrel extender, flash suppressor, forward hand grip, or silencer, a shroud that is attached to or partially or completely encircles the barrel and that permits the shooter to hold the firearm with the non-trigger hand without being burned. A manufactured weight of 50 ounces or more when the pistol is unloaded and a semi-automatic version of an automatic firearm. And lastly, they have to throw shotguns in there. A semi-automatic shotgun that has at least two of a folding or telescoping stock, a pistol grip that protrudes conspicuously beneath the action of the weapon, a fixed magazine capacity in excess of five rounds, or an ability to accept a detachable magazine. That's your military-style weapons. What say you? None of that makes sense. None of that. A detachable magazine? That's like all of them. Yeah, well, it's got to be a detachable magazine and two of the following things on the list. Oh my god. Because I was confused about that at the beginning too, because when I saw Detachable Magazine, I thought to myself the same thing. I mean, like, this is. You're like, this is literally everything. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, so I don't think that this bill has a sponsor, correct? Um, I can a co-sponsor. Look. I can Sorry. Look. She's the only one. I can look. I didn't look under that. Uh, no, there are no co-sponsors on this. It is in committee. It is I in the House Judiciary Committee uh, as of 1-4. Who's on the Judiciary Committee? That I couldn't tell you because I have not had a chance to look into the new Congress. Um, I know mm-hmm. Maxine Waters stepped down. Or not Maxine Waters. Who's the other one? Diane Feinstein. She stepped down. I know that. Jerry Nadler's the chair. Mary Gay Scanlon is the vice chair. There are six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There are twenty-one Democrats. Jim Jordan is a ranking member, and there are. Well, he's been a ranking member ever since uh, the last Congress, so that's actually not a surprise to me. And there are 16 Republicans, not including Jim Jordan. So 17 Republicans and 21 Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee. I don't know how many moderate Democrats these people are. Um, Some of them are from states where I would think that they're probably a little bit more moderate or conservative, but you never know. Mm-hmm. So our everyone's favorite, um, I call him Nukes McHairdo. Oh, jeez. He's on this. He's on the Judiciary Committee. Which makes no sense. I mean, he is banging a Chinese spy or at least simping for one. He literally fell for the honeypot. That is rule number one. <laughs> I thought rule number one was don't talk about Fight Club. Which, by the way, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll shock you now. I haven't seen that movie either. Awful. Okay. Well, yeah. Anyways. I don't know. I mean, there are... This could be... This could be the Democrats' way of trying to appease the super left base that is like dead set on legislation like this knowing that it will die in committee um or it might have a serious chance to get out of committee so i hope it dies in committee that's fair well we will see what happens with that it's uh i don't know this just started getting talked about the other day um you know some of the Blaze people have started to bring this out. Uh, Shapiro's talked about it. Stucky's talked about it. That loudmouth Crowder's talked about it. So, I mean, it's not like it's sitting where we were last week, where nobody had seen hide nor hair of this thing or the thought that it had even happened. We're, we are getting to the point where this is becoming common knowledge. Um, Robert, over on the Generational Gap, which is a partner in the Freedom Scoop Media Group, uh, they had an interesting discussion about this and the timing, too, which really brings me back to the idea that I think that this whole Capitol riot thing was staged at some point here. Let's uh, let's have a listen to what they had to say about this. Known about it. it's going to pass like that. <clears throat> well, when you have a Capitol riot that was so traumatic for members of Congress oh my God. No, I to stand that. at a pulpit and... When of course, Weep. even when of course, no one was, 
No, uh, the only person that was shot was one of the one of the people breaking into the Capitol. Yeah, as far as I know, it was the only person who was shot. So, so you tell I don't know me what that has to do with guns. Well, because <laughs> there were because it was violence. There were guns. There were guns found in a truck along with Molotov cocktails. There were pipe bombs on the they scene. They weren't used. Why? <laughs> no, no, they weren't used. I get the squad. I believe is how they're Sorry. referred to now, right? Yeah. We are going to see more of this in in the effort to get this gun legislation passed, along with other legislation. Watch. I bet if you go further deeper into this, there's going to be. I don't remember if I saw anything about explosives, um, but. I'm expecting there's going to be something uh, more heinous repercussions for explosive devices. And on top of that, the the next thing I expect is going to be something to do with social media. This is where it's also going to set the play mm -hmm. because she she talks so much about, you know, how people have been threatening her on social media and using social media as a vehicle right. to do these things. But this. All right. And I mean, I'm going to summarize from there because we do have to keep moving along. We can't sit and watch the entire episode of Generational Gap on the show as much as I like those guys over there. But uh, with that, Robert also did point out the timing of this because this did come out and was introduced in committee two days before the Capitol riot. Which kind of tells me that they maybe knew something was going down. I don't know. I can't prove that or anything, but that does. That tickles those little tinfoil sensors I have in my head and makes me wonder where this came from and what this means. So what what's your take on what uh, Robert said with that? I mean, they're already trying to do that with social media. Like, that's not a surprise. That's not new information. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to do the same thing about the Reddit stock market stuff, too. Yeah, and we saw that with Kimmel and the Russian disruptors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's absolutely happening. Now, do you think then this that I hate to ask you to go down my Alex Jones conspiracy theory level, but do you think there is a chance that this is something that was, you know, planned to go back alongside the Capitol riot? I don't think the Capitol riot is organic, as everyone says, especially with know. something like this coming out. I don't know. I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, you know that. I don't really go down these rabbit holes very often. Um, I mostly because the I, sixth. Mostly because I know that we will probably never know the truth. Like I said, I wasn't until the sixth, and as soon as the sixth said, I'm like, oh shit, it's happening, it's happening. Well, we got to talk about AOC and you know all the fun stuff <laughs> that she's done this week here, which is going to tie right back into this, but... Uh, before you do that, you want to catch us back up with the chat and see what these guys are saying, see if they've got any questions for us or anything? Um, yeah, sure. Well, they've been talking a lot, as usual, which is great. Please keep talking. It's fun. Um, it's really impossible for me to go back all the way to the beginning because they are talking so much. So I will try to give you the highlights. Um, Jacob from Facebook says, anyone want to discuss the problem stemming from Christian nationalism? We don't really do that. We just do news recaps, mm -hmm. but we do special editions of this show occasionally. And Ed does um, another kind of occasion. Is it once a month that you do across the board? 
It's whenever there's something big in the news to talk about. Okay. Whenever there's something big in the news to talk about, Ed does something called across the board where it's basically like a panel. We all get together and talk about things. Well, I'm not always there, mm -hmm. but uh, what was the last one that I did? Uh, libertarian themes or libertarian characters in um, pop culture and movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, liberty and pop culture. Yeah. We did liberty and pop culture one time. You've done others. Um, that's a really big question. So that's probably something that's more appropriate for an across the board episode. We won't discuss that. Um, on our weekly episodes. That'd be a good one to get Steven in for because he is a Christian nationalist. That Interesting. Crazy. Okay. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Um, hmm. Ed says other, other Ed, yeah. <laughs> other Ed says when the aliens come take our freedoms, you're going to be glad we had space force. Yeah. <laughs> also, Joshua says better to have better to have it and not need it. Um, found the statist. So, my audience already thinks you're not a real libertarian, but guess what, guys? That's a badge of honor. He's not a real libertarian. <laughs> oh, I've never claimed to be. No. Um, Joshua from Facebook says, this is literally the plot of Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, mm, Levi says, I believe the aliens have been here for centuries. I watched Ancient Aliens. I thought there was some very good convincing evidence on there. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the midst of reading uh, The Twelfth Planet right now from Zechariah Stitchin, which is kind of the same thing, Ancient uh, Alien Theory. Spartan says, can you both give your opinion on Jewish influence in U.S. politics, IPAC, and so on? Again, not what we do on this show. Spartan, you know that. He's trying, though. He's trying. <laughs> Maybe he really just wanted us to talk about Jewish space lasers. Uh, maybe he wants us to say the 14 words, too, which I've done what on this channel before. What 14 words? I'll tell you off, Mike, because we're getting a little oh, bit is more it like the Is it like the 14 words that will immediately get you banned? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Um, Joshua says the Democrats and Republicans that could potentially work with libertarians or free thinkers are exactly who the duopoly is afraid of and wants removed. I don't disagree. Um... <laughs> Batman and Lex Luthor in the same universe. Do you even DC Comics, bro? No, I really don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Democrats need to cut the progressives off from funding and reach in their next election and eliminate their office through redistricting. The problem is that people that are in the squad and the younger, more progressive Democrats are the ones who are way better at social media. So the establishment trying to get ahead of them on that is not going to happen. Unless they hire millennials or Gen Z Dude, and Gen what? Z doesn't want to work for them. They want to work for the progressive socialists. I was listening to uh, Stix's video this morning and he pointed out the fact that once millennials start getting into politics, they're going to be the weird ones. They're going to be the crazy fucks. Yeah. We're going to be the ones who are like cry harder, <laughs> <laughs> who are just don't give a crap about the, uh, about the, I don't know the civility of everything. Not that there is that much left anyway, but we're the original generation of shit posters. Like, what do you think is gonna happen when we get into politics and like get elected? It's gonna be fun, that's for sure. Yeah, Zero Twitter will be interesting given. again. <laughs> Zero fucks given. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nephilim says, must be, t must be little tiny cows for leather armor for bugs. 
Uh, Matthew says Trump needs to read the Time article in full and then leave. <laughs> That'd be Which, great. I have that in here, by the way. We're going to talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit later on. I skimmed that one. Um, I didn't read the entire thing word for word, but I skimmed over it. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, Barry from Facebook says Fox had an article about HR 127 for a day and then it was gone. Not surprising. Matthew says this is going to turn all gun owners into criminals. That is literally what they want. So, yes. Um, Nephilim says when Germany moved into Poland, they looked for these lists. Just saying, yes, they absolutely did. Um, that's literally the only reason to have a registry is if you want to then do mass confiscations. Even if you don't do it right away, that's literally the purpose of them. Uh, Barry also says Sheila, Sheila Jackson is the one who said hurricanes have too many white people names and that needs to change. <laughs> okay. I remember that. <laughs> Joshua says, oh, I can't read this on air because I'm going to get kicked off. Never mind. <laughs> Good eye. Uh, yeah. The list is laughable. The bullet list is also laughable. The only silver lining is that the bill does not have a single co-sponsor. Okay, yeah, we covered that. The AR-18 Armalite seems to have escaped them. A 600 caliber pistol round, not banned. BMG-50? Legal, because that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> True guess uh want to get around the military band stripper clip apparently yeah so lots of comments about that hank johnson wrote another house bill 5717 last january and it has been stuck in a committee since march of last year it's another null 2a bill Okay, but that was only had a Republican president who definitely would have vetoed something like that. So we'll see how this goes. Um, other Ed says, this guy, Ed, is giving Ed's a bad name. I don't know who he was talking about. Probably if he meant me. you. Probably me. Oh. Oh, and when I, oh, in the chat, I, they're vastly different Democrats. Just like I can't equate AOC with Rand Paul, even though he votes for things I can't understand and don't agree with, like more spending. Um, Joshua said, Tulsi doesn't count. She has basically been kicked out of the party. She uses logic. And I'm madly in love with her and hope she marries me. <laughs> I have bad news. She's already married very happily. <laughs> okay, I think we pretty much have caught up. There are a few messages, but we'll just have to like get to those later. Would would that mean we're gonna do what? What is it that uh, that Jen Pasaki does? We're gonna circle back. <laughs> <laughs> I am the superior redhead. I'm sorry. <laughs> she can just go away. So we're gonna talk about AOC because this story just got more and more bizarre throughout the week. I don't know if you've been following this a lot, but yes, I don't want to talk about her. <laughs> Well, we've got to, because that's, I mean, that ate up most of the news week on top of this. 
And unfortunately, I mean, where we last left this story, AOC was talking about. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't call her AOC. That's disrespectful now because people use her initials and it's disrespectful to her. The Honorable and Venerable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez D. Twitch. She's not a judge. You can't say honorable. Apparently she's honorable. We have to respect her in all ways. Um, she started talking more about the Capitol riot. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this or not throughout the, the weeks, but the Capitol riot seems to have disappeared out of people's eyesight as we go into i mean the gamestop thing really took it back up out of there but it was starting to fade from people's memories people were starting to not talk about it anymore they were starting to not you know even refer to it anymore they were starting to look forward to everything and then aoc came out and decided that she needed to tell her story which i don't know where this all came from or what even prompted her to start doing this but you know, now we're sitting with Ted Cruz. We talked about Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley last year sitting in front of the Senate Ethics Committee behind closed doors off of this. And then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez decided that she needed to come out and say that Ted Cruz is like an abuser in an escalating feud over the Capitol riot fallout. So now she's out saying, okay, well, he's saying to move on. And that's exactly what people who give domestic abuse, that's what they do. And then it got weirder. I mean, yes, but also apples and oranges, like that's not the same thing. So, I mean, that is common, but they're not the same, but okay, continue. Well, I mean, with that, while she was coming out and saying that Ted Cruz was a domestic abuser at this point, um, she's also come out and proclaimed very loudly that she has been sexually assaulted before in her life which i don't know where that even comes in okay. and fits into anything that she's going along trying to say except for to try and get ba attention back on her um i don't think she meant for it to come off that way um once you've been through something like that other other things that happen to you later in your life can re-traumatize you mm -hmm. so um and that's just that's just on understanding the mental health issues that come from being a victim of an acute um, event in your life that causes you to have trauma um, rather than a long lasting trauma, like living in an abusive home for your childhood. Like that's a long lasting trauma because it builds up and it happens over years and years. An acute episode of trauma is like, getting bombed by an IED in Iraq or sexual assault where it's like a one-time event and it kicks off this whole, um, it can kick off this whole string of mental health effects on you that last for many, many years or the rest of your life. And if something like this happens again, you can be re-traumatized and it doesn't even have to be like another sexual assault or another bomb or anything like that. Um, I talked about this when the incident with Rand Paul happened after the convention, the RNC convention, when he walked back to his hotel and this crowd surrounded him and somebody made a very crappy comment on LP Twitter about, Oh, shh, don't scare him. <laughs> I remember that. It was, it was something like, Oh, shh, you'll spook him or something like that. And it was very off color to me to say that about someone who has been through now like three or four 
uh, attempts on his life at this point. I mean, he was on the baseball diamond when Steve Scalise got shot. He had to hit the dirt. Um, that's traumatic. Before that, he was attacked by his neighbor. I'm sure in that moment, he didn't know if this man intended to beat him to death or not. Um, and then the crowd surrounding him in the Capitol. And I, so that was, that was a re-traumatization every time. So it's true in that instance. And I do think it is true in this instance, but she has taken this and gone so far off the deep end. And I, I believe that, I believe that she is explaining it badly is really what it is. Whether I have no idea if she's telling the truth or not or whatever, I'm not even gonna speculate on that. Um, all I can say is from a mental health standpoint, that is what happens when you are a victim of assault or an acute trauma. Like that is the process that you go through. Um, and I know that because I've been through it. So I get that part of it. Um, but yes, it has gotten very weird and has gone off the deep end. So I will let you continue after that tangent. Well, she's released a series of Instagram live videos, uh, over the past few weeks talking about her near-death experience in the Capitol building. And at one point, at some point with this, and this is, I think is where this came back out, it was pointed out this week that uh, she wasn't even in the Capitol building. Uh, Jack Basobiak put this tweet out. And, and I'm really a little muddy on the timeline for this, by the way, because all of this kind of dumped all at once here. But I know Basobiak put this tweet out that says AOC wasn't in the Capitol building during her near-death experience. To which uh, Cortez herself replied back and quote tweeted this, tweeting out, This is the latest manipulative take on the right. They're manipulating the fact that most people don't know the layout of the Capitol complex. We were all in the Capitol complex. The attacks wasn't just in the dome. The bombs Trump supporters planted surrounded our offices too. Additionally, she put out this video. If it'll load. Oh, I closed it. That's why it won't load. So let's have a listen to what she had to say on this. There was no partner. Was not yelling, you know, Capitol Police, etc., etc. But then what? But then it didn't feel right, um, because he was looking at me tremendous amount of anger and hostility and um, things weren't adding up like there was no partner there and there was no one was yelling he wasn't yelling like this is Capitol Police this is Capitol Police and he was looking at me in all of this anger and, and hostility and at first, you know, in, in my brain and in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I just came from this super intense experience just now. Maybe I'm reading into this, right? Like maybe I'm projecting, um, maybe I'm projecting like something onto him that, that like, maybe I'm just seeing anger, but maybe he's not trying to be angry. Um, but I talked to G, my legislative director after the fact, and he said, no, I didn't know if he was there to help. Okay, I can't listen to her anymore at this point. That was painful to listen to. So the way the story unfolded at this point is that AOC comes out and says that she was, she first she came out and said she was in the Capitol building, 
when the attack was. She was afraid. She thought that Ted Cruz was sending people to uh, go into the dome to kill her, essentially. Um, it has come out now that she was not in the dome. She was in her office, which is in a different building across the street, which I don't know the she layout. Was in another, she was in another congresswoman's office, I thought. No, she was in her office, but uh, she was... Uh, another congresswoman was in her office next door because they were, they were um, neighbors in their offices, is the way I okay. understand the story. Um, then she comes back out and says that the rioters were breaching her building. Uh, congresswoman Nancy Mace has come out and said that, no, that didn't happen. And now she's come out with the story that the Capitol Police officer is there. Now, I'm going to walk back what a lot of the right-wing commentary has said about this situation, because I don't think they're entirely right on this either. A lot of them are making fun of the fact that, you know, she's out there, she's afraid for her life because people are storming the Capitol and she's not even in the Capitol. Well, I'm going to come right out and say, nobody knew, unless this was, once again, unless this was planned, nobody knew what the hell was going on with this. Now, if my Alex Jones senses are correct, then everything I just said is bullshit. But if they are not correct and nobody knew what was going on, you don't know if they're if they're all coming into the Capitol. You don't know if they're going to come into your building next. Um, of course, the buildings are all connected by tunnels. I don't think they would have made their way to the tunnels to get to the buildings like that. But you no, know, the those mob... are secure, I believe. You have to have some kind of code or something to probably get into the tunnel. I can't imagine that it would just be a door. Yeah, and you just walk in. It is in Fallout <clears> Three, <throat> but that's not reality. But you don't know if they're going to move off from the Capitol complex there and go to your building next. They, you don't know what's happening. No, and not only that, is that that day was so crazy that you don't even know if the information you're being given is accurate. Mm -hmm. Like when it gets to you, like by the time the information gets to you, it's been five minutes since the initial message went out. So how do you know it hasn't changed in that five minutes? You don't. Like you just have to literally sit there and be prepared for anything. And I, I mean, I can, I can see how she would be very afraid because you don't know. You you have no idea. And it's true. Um, I don't think most people realize that it is a Capitol complex and not just one building. Um, so, sorry, I'm getting distracted by the chat. <laughs> um, anyways, I... I don't know, hearing her explain it in that way, I can definitely see how she came to that conclusion. You know, thinking that this person is there to kill you or that this person is there to hurt you. Don't You don't know who they are. Um, like she said, there was no partner. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have expected to see a partner because if they're going door to door to make sure everyone's okay, then the partner was probably at the next office. You know, they were still with an eyesight of each other, the officers were, but, um, I mean, as we know, Capitol Police were spread really thin that day. So it's, you know, now hindsight's twenty twenty. You can look back and say, well, duh, of course he didn't have an officer with him. But if that was her expectation and that wasn't met, then yeah, I can see it. I can. I can see the, I can see the possibility. Well, I know that she got a lot of the backlash for there. What did you think about, did you see the trend of those uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Smollett that was uh, going around? Yeah, I thought that was awful, honestly. 
I mean, I thought it was funny, but I mean, yeah, sitting back here thinking about like once again, if nobody knew what was going on, then you can't exactly come back and expect that. Okay, well, they got into what is supposed to be the most secure building in the country. Are they going to get to my building next? Right. Yeah. I mean, and if she wasn't outside and didn't know how big the riot was, how how would she know that? Oh, it's really only like a hundred people, or it's only a thousand people, or whatever. I mean. We saw how quickly the riots over the summer got out of control in Minneapolis. She had no idea whether or not it was going to get to that point or not. None. For all she knew, they could have lit fires at the entrances and trapped everybody inside the building. You don't know. I have a really, really hard time not saying that would be poetic considering she encouraged the ones over the summer, but I'm I'm not going to give Susan that much bait. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I mean, some of this does seem completely embellished. And the weirdest, the the worst one for me, uh, apparently while she was, because uh, after everything went down, she was hiding in the bathroom. She went over to her neighbor's office mm-hmm. and she was just wearing high heels, worried that she was going to have to run in her high heels. And I guess the woman who had the office next to her had the staffer give her or staffer sneakers. Which, like, what? okay, is AOC's life more important than yours? That's kind of shitty. Yeah, that is. It's like, what Yeah, the I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, there's probably more to it than just that, but... Yeah, I don't know. And this goes back but to... I mean, Go ahead. But... I don't know. I'm, I I just, I always revert to thinking like, what if I was in that situation? Like, what would I have done? Um, I don't know. It's like, it, you're cap- You're definitely capable. Let's, let's like rank footwear. If we're, if we can for a second, <laughs> if you're going to run from someone, what would you rather be wearing? High heels, tennis shoes, or bare feet? How would you rank those? Right. For me, like, you probably don't know what it's like to wear high heels. For me, it would be You're tennis surprised. shoes, barefoot, high heels last. So if I got to choose between running barefoot or running in high heels, I'm going to choose to run barefoot. She right. could have just done that. Exactly. I mean, I understand it's January in Washington, D.C., and it's cold as fuck, but still. No, they, you're absolutely right on that. And it's, I don't know, there's, there's more of this that does, doesn't add up to me either. Especially given the fact that, once again, we're looking at this massive gun control bill that's coming out conveniently two days before we see all this rioting going on. I don't... I don't know about a lot of things here, but um, it's... I think a lot of this is theater that we didn't need to see, also. That might be an unpopular opinion with us, but I, I think that this a lot of this was theater. But this also goes back around to this whole this whole notion that disarming the the representatives is somehow the answer. Like that's true. If I'm trapped in my office, or or if I'm going to be trapped in someone's office on Capitol Hill. Would I rather be trapped in AOC's office with her or Lauren Boebert or Thomas Massey? I'm going to pick the ones who are packing. Yeah. Obviously. And it has nothing to do with their political affiliation. 
Like if you're in a situation like that, who would you rather be with? Well, I mean, these people are literally trying like, to kill especially her though, if too. I'm, especially if I'm unarmed. Yeah. If I'm the one who's unarmed, like if I, if I am in AOC's position where I'm wearing high heels, I'm unarmed, I'm totally like vulnerable as a target. Who would I rather be mm-hmm. with? Lauren Boebert and Thomas Massey, 100%. Absolutely. Cause I know that they're armed. So disarming the house of representatives is not going to keep them safer. It will make them bigger targets. Like we go around and around about this, about gun control. And that is literally what it boils down to. If you are not carrying, you are a target, period. You have no means to defend yourself. And thinking somehow that, well, I'm not comfortable carrying a firearm, so I don't think anyone else should have, is the ultimate ivory tower. You are saying that you don't believe someone else should have the right to defend themselves. You're correct. We got to keep it moving because uh, okay. we can't spend a lot of time on this one. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep going here. Now, one of the big news stories that came this week that I think we need, need to spend a little bit of time on, probably not as much as we spent on HR 127, but a little bit of time on, is the budget reconciliation and everything that came along with this. So the House, uh, as of this week, has passed Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion original stimulus plan, which means that by the end of this, we will be at $30 trillion in national debt in the first week of the Biden presidency. First couple weeks. I'm sorry. In the first couple weeks of the Biden presidency, we'll be at $30 trillion in debt. Did you ever think? Okay, but the majority of that was Trump. That was 26 trillion of that was Trump. Six trillion of that was Trump. 20 trillion of that. Well, 10 trillion was Obama. Okay, you're right. You're right. I broke it down wrong. But yes, we will be at $30 trillion. Come on, man. Um, in the Senate, the bill passed 51 to 50 with Kamala Harris giving the tie-breaking vote, which we're going to see that because they pushed this into something called budget reconciliation. Do you know about budget reconciliation? Please tell the audience what budget reconciliation is, Ed. So budget reconciliation is a, uh, it's a way that Democrats can go around the filibuster essentially because they don't have the votes to get rid of the filibuster. Now, when I first heard about this, I thought that they were gonna be using this for every little thing that they can do, but there is a check on budget reconciliation, which is a good thing. What it means is they're using the budget process, the budgetary process, because this is something that's gonna be coming back out of the budget, something they're gonna have to budget for. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be changing the budget essentially, and they only need a simple majority to do so is how this went through. Now, they're only allowed to do this once per budgetary cycle, once per year. However, okay. there was no budget for 2020, so they're actually able, they're gonna be able to do three in this uh, in this particular Congress. Wait, so it's like, so it's like your cell phone minutes, if you don't use them, you don't lose them, you just get to carry it over? What the hell? Yes, because this reconciliation is technically on the 2020 A couple of interesting things that came along with this, though, and you wanted to talk about this, and I want to give you the floor on this here. Now, because this was not a budgetary measure, even though Bernie Sanders is currently in the courts right now trying to argue that it is a budgetary measure, the $15 an hour minimum wage isn't going to make it. So tell us a bit about that. So it's really, it's actually really 
it's more simple than I think people realize. So uh, reconciliation is actually a type of parliamentary procedure. If you've ever studied parliamentary procedure, it's very complicated and kind of annoying. And we use it at the LP national conventions because there isn't anything better than that to use, but mm -hmm. it's very tedious. Um, the rules are very rigid. So under the rules of reconciliation, you can only pass measures that have an impact on the budget. Mm -hmm. So a $15 minimum wage won't have an impact on the budget because the government's not paying the $15 minimum wage. It's all like the business owners that are paying the $15 minimum wage. So because of that, um, Biden knows that it's not likely that this is going to be able to be included as a reconciliation measure in this stimulus package. It will probably end up being its own standalone bill. So he stuck it in there they asked him to, um, knowing that it might not, what he says is it may not survive um, in, in the bill. Um, he said, we have a room full of lawyers working as hard as we can to make the case to the parliamentarian that in fact, raising the minimum wage will have significant budget implications and in fact should be consistent with reconciliation rules. Um, that was actually Bernie Sanders, not Joe Biden. Um, so it's actually the parliamentarian who gets to decide whether or not that stays in the bill. Which, and I can understand what Bernie's argument probably is going to be because if people are getting more in their minimum wage from their minimum wage job, then they're going to be paying more taxes in, which would help to <clears throat> never get set around Congress, balance the budget. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's going to fly. I think that they are, they are going to shoot it down. Yeah. Um, he said that Biden said he's prepared to put it on a separate negotiation and work his way up from there to get it through the House and Senate. So, yeah, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. It's just um, procedure. Give me just a second. It looks like we dropped a bunch of frames here for a second. 303 frames. We uh, froze up for just a minute here. Let's uh, see if the stream is still going. You guys still uh, see us? Somebody give me an indication in the live chat if you can still see what's going on here. Elaine can watch that. So, I mean, going back with this, it's... I can see where Bernie's coming from off this, and it's a pet project. You know they're going to try and stick it into something. And I don't think they're going to do the standalone bill like they keep trying to say that they're going to. I do think that this is going to be something where they try and stick it in with something that Republicans really, really, really want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll use it as a bargaining chip for something. That's how this always goes. Like, they'll say, well, we won't pass this 2A nullification if you give us a $15 minimum wage. Because those are two very big issues. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that came out of the stimulus news here is that they were initially, and I don't know if this got into the budget that passed, because I have not read the bill that made it passed, but they were trying to narrow who qualifies for the stimulus package. Mm -hmm. They were trying to bring this down from $75,000 single earner household to a $50,000 single earner household, $100,000 married household, which I'm sorry, mm -hmm. that is deep into the working class at this point. It, it is, and especially because it's not adjusted for standard of living cost. Mm -hmm. So a married couple making $100,000 and living in California 
they are not living as well as someone who's making a hundred thousand, a couple who's making a hundred thousand dollars in Georgia or a lot of other places. A couple making a hundred thousand dollars living in Manhattan is not living as well as a couple making a hundred thousand dollars living in Wisconsin. It just, no, it's totally different. Oh yeah. That's so lowering are that is just going to hurt. Lowering that is just going to hurt people in states that Democrats represent, which is what I don't understand because they should know this of all people. Well, going further on that, and this is kind of where I wanted to point out too, it's not necessarily the couple because, you know, you'll see the shared expenses going on with a, with a married household. Hopefully, that doesn't mm-hmm. always happen in marriages, unfortunately, but hopefully you'll see the shared expenses when you get up to that point. But once you get down to the single earners point of that, I mean, I make $40,000 a year and I'm considered to be working poor. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... The cutoff line is not that far above where I am. No. And you're single. You don't have any kids. So they're not even taking into account people who have children. And they might have multiple children. I mean, I was barely making it, making 40,000 a year and having one child. Mm -hmm. And I was living in a small apartment and my rent was not outrageous. And, you know, I had expenses, but they weren't huge expenses but yeah all my money was gone at the end of the month that was not not a fun time i believe that knowing where i come from making this uh that kind of money without a kid i believe that absolutely do so we'll see what happens off of that and when we get our checks and how fast i cut mine up i actually haven't checked the mail after they sent out the 600 dollars one so i don't even know if it's there or not i barely get any mail so i never go anywhere i do everything online but I won't let the government have my bank account information, so they're not direct depositing that. You can give it to me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Robert said the same thing, and I, I made the same defense. Corporate welfare. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will incorporate myself. <laughs> let's look at a little bit of the drama that's going on in the House of Representatives right now, starting with uh, the Marjorie Taylor Green story which i marjorie taylor green they um they've given the vote i don't have any articles pulled up on this but they've given the vote at this point marjorie taylor green has officially been stripped of all of her committee assignments for -hmm. things that she did before she was a congresswoman Uh, mccarthy came up uh the offer was uh given up at first for democrats said they wouldn't vote to strip her of committee assignments if mccarthy would do so mccarthy would not give any disciplinary actions to marjorie taylor green and now the House has uh, has done it for him. What's your mm-hmm. take on what we're seeing from this so far? I think this is interesting because committee positions are given by the party that the person comes from. The committee assignments come from the party, mm-hmm. not from the House at large. So I was not aware that the House could punish a, one member if the uh, chair or the majority leader or whatever declined to discipline them for something i didn't know that that was a thing well ask me how people get committee assignments one time it's a really interesting story you told me You'll this off mic it's whoever can pay the most you you've told me this before oh yeah it's a it's a ranked system mm-hmm. they rank all the committees what's most important like highest priority uh budgetary committee judiciary committee um those are like a level and then it goes down through like C and D level, I think. And basically, if you want to be on an A-level committee, you have to be a really good fundraiser. 
And that means you have to fundraise for your party. So the more money you fundraise for your party, Democrats or Republicans, both of them do this, um, the more money you fundraise, the more power you have to go and say, hey, um, I want to be on this committee and this committee. What can we do to make that happen? And then they'll tell you, okay, you've raised this much so far. We need you to raise this much more in order to put you on those committees. That's exactly how they get those committee positions. It is not based on expertise. It is not based on experience. Nothing. It's based on how much money you can fundraise. Mm -hmm. That's it. And that comes from letting Congress make their own rules. Oh, absolutely. I, I have no doubt about that. I really don't. I guess it's just bizarre to me the fact that, I mean, this is even happening right now. I don't, well, I know the reason because they- That was like the last four years for me. Yeah. Like, oh, this is so bizarre that this is even allowed to happen. But I mean, it's, I like the fact that you brought up the last four years for that because that really goes back into this because the news media was, I mean, they made all kinds of money off the Trump bump. Oh, because yeah. he was there he was the boogeyman he he gave them what they wanted he talked a lot he never shut up and uh, they always had something to say about his tweets it was never about his policy that was the thing which he had some so shitty policy it's interesting you say that because i didn't load the tweet in but i pointed this out uh this morning on contemporary because joe walsh failed presidential candidate and totally not the eagles guitarist joe walsh <laughs> posted on Twitter yesterday that he wishes that Trump had his Twitter back <clears throat> because they have nothing to talk about anymore. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just miss like the coffee fee, like stupid stuff like that. Like that's what I miss. <laughs> I don't miss, I don't miss the, the, the hate and the, the pettiness. I don't miss that at all. I miss the truly funny things that were just like, happy accidents like <laughs> hamburgers <laughs> those delicious hamburgers <laughs> i had kofefi monogrammed on my yeti coffee cup i love it <laughs> <laughs> i still have it somewhere i have no idea where it is but i still have it somewhere <sighs> so that's and i mean going along with that it's they need they need the demon now and I think they're starting to realize too, and that's they part need of the, the demon, and they can't do, they can't pick Biden or Harris because they're off right. limits. Right, Those exactly. are their buddies, so they can't have them. So they have to find other boogeymen, and Marjorie Taylor Greene is perfect for that. Uh, Liz Cheney is uh, perfect for that. Ben Sasse is perfect for that. No, so, Cheney's yeah. actually on their side. Remember? Oh well, yeah, but I mean, from the conservative side, conservative yeah. media. Yeah, no, they're not. Did you, and I, once again, I should have uh, picked this one back out and loaded it back up. Did you see that uh, Chelsea Handler quote tweeted uh, Liz Cheney and said, morals are sexy. Oh my God. That was so dumb. You saw that one, I take it. Yes, I did. She got dragged so hard. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with Walsh because Walsh needs Trump on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Because then nobody's paying attention to how Tradcon and Neocon Walsh is. Right. Everybody praised Walsh for being the guy who tried to take on the king and tried to go primary Trump. They think he's a hero right now. Yeah. At some point, they're going to realize that uh, he's still at Warhawk fucking Tradcon. Yeah. He always has been. You're which right, but they forgot about that temporarily. Which is why we really didn't want him in the Libertarian Party. <laughs> yeah. 
They forgot about that temporarily, though, remember? Yeah. Because because you took a shot at Trump. Mm-hmm. At some point, and I said the same thing with the Lincoln Project, because they're up there grifting the same way. They're still trying to make everything about Trump and Trumpism, because that's the new thing we're going to talk about for the next four years, is how Trumpism never fucking died. And yet, once the progressives get their little agenda through that the Lincoln Project and Joe Walsh helped them do, they're going to be sitting right next to people like me on the trains, on the boxcars. Yeah. I don't know if you'll be on the boxcars, but I will. I know I will. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. They better kill me in the first wave. Otherwise, I'm going to become a giant pain in the ass. On the other side, though, they tried to do a retaliatory... I want to read here briefly from the Daily Wire. House Republicans begin effort to remove Democrat Ilhan Omar from committees. It's Uh, tit for tat. That's all this is. essentially. Several House Republicans are moving. Although I really dislike her. Of of the squad, I dislike her and um, Tlaib the the least. I do not like either of them. Um, Also... Uh, her husband's consulting firm made like $3.6 million off of her campaign. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that money went? Right back into her family. How much How much do you think his salary was at that consulting firm? Why, that would never happen because that would be immoral. Ilhan would never do something like that. <laughs> okay. Well, the argument going on with Omar was uh, one of the arguments that uh, House Democrats made when they decided to strip Green of her various committee positions was the fact that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I I keep getting these names mixed up here, Marjorie Taylor Greene was very anti-Semitic, and she was talking about Jew lasers coming down to eliminate, uh, eliminate humanity. That's not what she said, though. She said something along the lines of... Um... She didn't say space lasers, but she said something else. And she said it's all connected back to the Rothschild family. Yep. So. Which is like right on the same vein of everything else that uh, Ilhan Omar was saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true. So, yeah, they're going to come out and try to play that game with her and try to say the anti-Semitic for anti-Semitic, which, I mean, at some point I'm going to sit down with Freckled Liberty and ask her if they actually do have the lasers in space. I think she said they don't. I think you're right, actually, because I do believe somebody already asked her about that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they have. I'm sure. Knowing our mutuals, yeah, I'm sure that she was asked. <laughs> uh, did you see that uh, Nancy Pelosi decided that her own rules were not for her about going into the chamber? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Mm-hmm. So this week, Nancy Pelosi was caught bypassing her own metal detectors. <laughs> As she's talking about raising the fines from five thousand to ten thousand, the first uh, the first fines have been withdrawn directly from congressional salaries this week. Uh, one congressman, let me see if I, I've got the archive article up here. Um, one congressman got twenty five thousand dollars of fines taken out. Yep, uh, not Jim McGovern. He was the one that was imposing it. Uh, Ralph Norman out of South Carolina has racked up $25,000 worth of fines for bypassing the metal detectors. 
Wow. And then Nancy Pelosi herself walked around them this week, too. Interesting. So apparently the um, apparently the resolution or the bill or whatever it was um, that was going to change this rule, apparently it was on the schedule today for voting. Okay. I don't know what the results were, but yeah. Um, I didn't see that. So you're uh, that that one's news to me. But I will look into that uh, for contemporary in the morning. Helpful tip. What's up? Um, if you would like to keep up with legislation and uh, what's being voted on, like that day or that week, um, you can go online and subscribe to the calendars, and they will send you daily updates. Is that like when AOC updates her Instagram? That kind of update. No, these are like from the house uh, clerk, okay. like the proceedings, like they update the proceedings and then they'll email you at the end of the day and give you an overview. The majority leader also has updates daily and weekly. Okay. Uh, but yes, GOP politicians want Pelosi to pay $5,000 for ignoring her own metal detector rules in the Capitol. Hours after House Speaker Pelosi docked $5,000 from the pay of two GOP congressmen for flouting the new metal detectors, a group of Republican politicians dis- uh, demanded she pay the same fine for the same offense. Um, yep, yesterday, at approximately 9.59 a.m., multiple members observed the Speaker of the House entering the House chamber without completing security screaming. The members wrote to House Acting Sergeant-at-Arms Timothy Blodgett. So, yeah, there you go. Wow. She, uh, she's really worried about people getting in there, which, I mean, Pelosi's not going to be the one that's going to be carrying something. I mean, a 22 would knock her on her scrawny little ass, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for, uh, for all the purposes, like, I think that this was actually already adopted, it looks like. So they're already accumulating fines. There's plenty of people already accumulating fines. Oh, yeah. And the first, the first offense is 5,000, the second is 10. Yeah, that was uh, new today, or not yeah. new today, but new this week that uh, they're jumping back up to 10. So, mm-hmm. all right, we got to get to this time article, which it's there's going to be a little bit of time involved in this. And I know we're up against the clock. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do a little bit of chat now? Sure. So we're not uh, busting down the door at the end. I have to go back and find my place. I don't even remember where you left off. I don't either. Did we talk about it before or after AOC? Before, right before AOC. Okay. So, Barry says, is AOC trying to mansplain this? <laughs> um, Matthew says, we need Elaine to make videos where she accurately answers the questions asked to the press secretary. I would watch that. <laughs> we'll see maybe that might be a special edition video that i do we'll we'll see if you guys really want me to if you want it. me to put put in the chat that you want me to if that's what you want me to do um i can't read that on air thank you <laughs> nephilium oh, i want to see now <laughs> joshua said forget Tulsi. i forgot how much i wanted to marry Rand paul same (laughs) um 
her social media is monetized. She's simply making bank with the attention. Yes, absolutely. Because I suggest any candidate monetize their social media. If you are not monetizing your social media and you're a candidate, you're a dummy. Um, you know, like a capitalist. Yes, we know. <laughs> um, Barry says the crazy, you can see it in her eyes. I wonder if the kids Congress bombed to death overseas cry as hard as AOC and her colleagues have been over the Capitol insurrection. Oh. Ouch. (laughs) Disconnection in five. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Shit. I have to proofread Joshua's comments. I can't read them out loud. (laughs) Um. (laughs) If you're under 15, you don't need a code for the tunnels. (laughs) Oh. 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 You guys, seriously. Oh. That was Chalaga. I, I should have known better. I should have known better. Matthew said AOC ignored orders by security to go to a secure area. I have no idea if that's true. I haven't heard that or not. Um, they're commenting on your sudden music from Fox News. <laughs> um, remember 2018 when AOC let protesters in to surround Pelosi's office? <laughs> I was there when AOC told Frodo and Gandalf she would take the rain to Mount Doom. Uh, Kurt's mad at me and says, quit assuming she's not a terrible person. Oh, Barry said, if you were in that situation, you would have taken on that crowd with the heels as your weapons. And I said, yes, I would have. (laughs) The jugular and your temple are prime targets for stiletto heels, not to mention your eyes. Uh, Nephilim wants to know, do you, Ed, know what high heels feel like? I do. What? I do. I need to hear this. It was a show choir thing. It, apparently, the choreographers thought it would teach the men grace if they tried to dance in high heels. Oh, how did that go? Picture a bunch of 17-year-old men in high heels for the first time. So basically, you were like baby deer. Kind of. <laughs> okay. But you stomped harder, I'm sure. Probably. <laughs> um... <laughs> Damon says, what budget? Spend, spend, spend. Um, Basically. A budget has a limit on it. Exactly. And you basically agree that you're not going to go over that limit. And every time they get close to going over the limit, they're like, oh, yeah, let's just suspend the debt ceiling. That would make great. That makes perfect sense. So I don't think we can really call it a budget at this point. Uh, Everyone else is also upset about two, two of those budget exceptions for the year. Chilaga says, I'm a rule, Robert's Rules of Orders guy. Okay. I'm not that masochistic, but okay. Um, Point of procedure is best explained in Animal House. I think I remember that part. Ed probably hasn't seen that movie. Guilty. 
See, you guys, like, what am I going to do with him? Um, we had our little glitch. Everybody said we came back. Kyle says he looked it up. 150,000 in California is sub 60,000 in a lot of the South. Um, yikes. Hmm. Especially when you consider that an average house in California is over $400,000. Yeah, I know. We were having and that That's if you're not like living in LA <laughs> or Southern California in general. Um, Jeremiah, don't bring common sense into government handouts. What are you thinking? Charlie's here. Charlie's one of my friends. Um, he said, you would expect Democrats to know they've hurt their own, but they have no clue about economics. Yes, that's what I said. We agreed. Um, Chilaga says, powers that be economically illiterate or purposefully trying to end America with policies like federal minimum wage. good question uh swamp fox is here and asked if we were trumpers and i said no i mean at least i'm not i voted for him but i had to do it kicking and fucking screaming did you vote for him twice yes we established that last week it's never gonna hurt less when you say that and by the way i am jay edgar you know my first name right Yes, I know your first name. Okay. I didn't know. Yeah, he is actually J. Edgar. Like, it's not a Hoover reference. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremiah said, strange new respect. I'm not sure what that means. Couldn't, couldn't tell you. I don't either. Uh, Jesse wants to know, how can he harness the powers of the lasers? Uh, Kurt says, as a probationary member of the Illuminati, we do not use space lasers. <laughs> we use Nancy Pelosi's flatulence. Oh. Right then. <laughs> oh. Uh, Matthew wants to know, if are the fines not in violation of the U.S. Constitution that say any pay changes have to take effect in the next Congress? I have no idea. That's a good, uh, that's a good thing to bring up because I believe that would be a violation. Do we know anyone else who has been fined? Yes, Gomert, and there was another one too. Uh, the South Carolina, I can't think of the South Carolina guy's name, but yeah, there were two of them. There, yeah, there were a couple. Um, and apparently everyone is very supportive of me being a stand-in press secretary. <laughs> so somehow we're gonna have to make that happen. <laughs> All right. We've been at, All right. Speaking of a, Speaking of things that will get us kicked off YouTube here, we got to talk about this Time magazine and all of the particular six-pointed stars that were floating around in our Discord once uh, somebody brought this into our Discord. I don't know if you saw that or not. I don't think I did. It, go look after the show. Midget had a field. You know how Midget does. Midget had a field day with this one. No, I'm not sure who this Midget person is. Midget B from the meme competition? No. Oh, Brain Damage is what you would know him as. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he had a field day with this one. He absolutely did. So, and I read about half of this article on Contemporary this morning. And it is as bad as you think it is. So I'm going to read this verbatim for you guys, and I'm going to let you catch up. And I'm sure you'll throw some commentary in in the midst of it, but uh, catch up towards the end here. The Time article says, The secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. Uh, This is from Molly Ball. A weird thing happened right after the November 3rd election. Nothing. 
The nation was braced for chaos. Liberal groups had vowed to take to the streets, planning hundreds of protests across the country. Right-wing militias were girding for battle. In a poll before Election Day, 75% of Americans voiced concern about violence. Instead, an eerie quiet descended. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, did we lose? Did I lose you or did I lose me? I lost Elaine again, and it's on her end, not mine. Because I can see the bars going up. All right, I'm going to catch up with some live chat here, see if we can't get her back. Come on, keyboard, come up. Oh, it looks like we got some motion there for a second. Well, I think we're going to lose her here for a second here. Let's uh, catch up with some live chat here. Um, where did we leave off? Yeah, we lost her. Uh, the fines are not. Uh, the fines are in violation of the U.S. Constitution. We uh, caught that. Let's see. Yeah, it's it sucks that we did this right after uh, a chat break here because we've got to get caught back up. Seawall says, "Damn chat, you're spicy tonight." Yeah, they are. What about the tech censorship? I'm not sure what you're talking about off this one. I want credit for that Frodo comment, yo. Yep, I was in play where I played a woman, had to wear a wig, dress in high heels. It was quite fetching. Ron, I've never seen you before. I've heard your voice, but I've never seen you before, and I would I want to see that. Let me just a sec. I gotta get something over here. Apparently I don't message Elaine enough on Twitter because I've lost the Twitter message somewhere. I was going to put the, uh, yep, there it is. Nope, that's not it at all. All right, let's see if we can't get her back here. I'll let her know that I sent that back over to her Twitter in case the phone can't pick it back up. Oh, no, she's back in the waiting room. Hey, look, you came back. I came back. All right. We were talking a little bit of a live chat here, and uh, yeah, we lost you there for a second. Yeah, I missed your whole summary. Yeah, well, I had just started anyway. Uh, Damon Horner asked if we got canceled, or if you got canceled. <laughs> considering the uh, considering the things that you guys are making me read out loud that you're commenting, it wouldn't have been surprising. Wait till we get monetized on YouTube and Super Chat starts and they start paying you to say some of that stuff. Oh, all right then. Let's do that. Well, that'll be interesting. So did you hear anything off of this so far? Because I heard you say, uh-oh, right before you froze. I said, uh-oh, because I had frozen. Yeah. <laughs> 
or rather because you had frozen and I couldn't hear what you were saying anymore. That was the last thing I heard from you. So where, where did you leave off from this? I heard none of your summary. Okay. So I'm going to read this just a little bit verbatim here. The secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. A weird thing happened right after the November 3rd election. Nothing. The nation was braced for chaos. Liberal groups had vowed to take to the streets, planning hundreds of protests across the country. Right-wing militias were girding for battle. In a poll before Election Day, 75% of Americans voiced concern about violence. Instead, an eerie quiet descended as President Trump refused to concede. The response was not mass action, but crickets. When media organizations called the race for Biden on November 7th, jubilation broke out instead as people thronged cities across the U.S. to celebrate the democratic process that resulted in Trump's ouster. And totally weren't social distancing either. A second odd thing happened amid Trump's attempts to reverse the result. Corporate America turned on him. I think they did that before that, but... Hundreds mm-hmm. of major business leaders, many of whom had backed Trump's candidacy and supported his policies, called on him to concede. The president... Something felt amiss. It was all very, very, very strange, Trump said on December 2nd. Within days after the election, we witnessed an orchestrated effort to anoint the winner, even while many key states were still being counted. In a way, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between the left-wing activists and business titans. The pact was formalized in a terse, little-noticed joint statement of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and AFL-CIO published on Election Day. Both sides would come to see it as sort of an implicit bargain inspired by the summer's massive, sometimes destructive, racial justice protests in which the forces of labor came together with the forces of capital to keep the peace and oppose Trump's assault on democracy. That is not... For a second, what happened over the summer? No, it's not. Not even a little bit. The handshake between business and labor was just one component of a vast cross-partisan campaign to protect the election, an extraordinary shadow effort, dedicated not to winning the vote, but to ensuring it would be free and fair, credible and uncorrupted. For more than a year, a loosely organized coalition of operatives scrambled to shore up America's institutions as they came under simultaneous attack from a remorseless pandemic and an autocratically inclined president. No, he did a lot of stupid things, but autocracy was not one of them. Yeah, so I just put in the live chat, um, she's characterizing this very interestingly to me as a... um, as a, as a coalition between what she calls capital and labor. She's leaving off the ism off of capitalism. That's what she's really talking about. She's really talking about capitalists and socialists or progressive Democrats or whatever you want to call them. And she's, she's characterizing it as capital and labor, meaning capitalism and labor. But really, it's not capitalism. None of those people who are big business are capitalists they are cronious yeah because they're taking advantage of all these loopholes that the government creates for them when they spend millions of dollars lobbying and dumping millions of dollars into super PACs for them so it's not capitalism and labor it's cronyism and labor which means you're just going to get more of the same more of the same corruption more of the same um ineffectual governance uh very high spending, higher taxes. Like you're, you're not really getting anything out of it. Mm-hmm. They just got rid of the boogeyman. That's yeah. it. Well, and I mean, 
Chilaga pointed it out in the chat too, and I mean, I can say it right up on the air. It's almost like they're bragging about the fact that the election was completely above board and nothing bad happened, wink, wink, honk, honk. And, I mean, if everything in this article is the God's honest truth, then we are not a democracy anymore. We're not even a republic. We are a corporatocracy. We are a fascist mm -hmm. state at this point. Yeah. And they're bragging about it. They're open about it. Yeah. Which I don't... I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, of course, I want corporations to be able to compete with each other without the government <clears throat> hand, but now the co corporations own the government. Right. Yeah, and that's not what's open about it. We, we don't have free market. We haven't had a free market for a very long time. Well, we have Reddit. <laughs> Reddit is now the free market. <laughs> Which, I mean, even still, they got pushed out by... Mm -hmm. federal agents going in there saying that oh no you should go buy this stock this stock. oh you, you need to sell that game stock because that's going to be the one that you're going to be left holding the bag mm -hmm. yeah that's all been infiltrated at this point oh yeah absolutely like all of that has but it's because of stuff anyone, like this anyone anyone who discounted the power of those social media communities which after after the sixth after all of that was driven by q and and after the Reddit GameStop Robinhood incident that was driven by Reddit, anyone who has so far discounted social media uh, to this point, they're basically like Paul Kirkman saying, oh, by 2005, the internet will have had no impact on our lives. Like that's literally what this is. It's just as stupid. Yeah. and. I mean, to the extent that uh, I don't get kicked off YouTube for this one here, I think there's uh, there's good accuracy in the number of uh, six-pointed stars that are in the Discord surrounding this article. Go back and look at that sometime. It's uh, I mean, Midget was having a field day with that. He was, he absolutely was. <laughs> but he's, right. I, I don't know if he's wrong. That's the thing. I mean, I don't want to say Rothschild or anything like that, but uh, who's in charge of a lot of these companies? We are almost out of time. All right. Do you want to, because I got one more that I want to get to before this, just because you'll get a good laugh. And this isn't the surprise stupidity. It's one more here. You want to hang over for just a half second because of the connection issue? Or do you want to just run into surprise stupidity? I can hang for a few more minutes. Let's do it. All right. So we got to talk about everybody's favorite pencil neck little shooting victim, David Hogg. Because uh, he put this one out. Let me get this one queued up here. There it is. I need a unionized pillow manufacturer in the U.S. We're having a hard time finding one. If you know one, please DM. Which, I mean, if you're going to start a company making pillows, you should have a pillow to sell before you start your company here. But from the Hill, David Hawk to launch pillow company to compete with my pillow. Gun control activists. What's his going to be called? Hog pillow. I don't know. Bite the pillow? Bite the pillow. 
So for everything that I've read about this, this is not about going out and making a new product or anything. They're going out looking for a product that's unionized already, that's already in full production, and they want to slap his pencil neck little fucking face on it and say, well, please buy my pillow. I was in... I was in the uh, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Just feel sorry for me. Pity me. It's, that's what I'm seeing out of this. Do you... I don't know if you've seen anything about this so far or... Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I feel like it's just going to be an excuse for him to uh, drop out of Harvard. Oh, you think you, we're going to go that route? I yeah, I think he's going to create a successful company and then drop out of Harvard. I don't think he's smart enough to be there. Well, I know he is um, being a silent partner in this particular one. Huh. He's he's not going to be an active partner in this. He's working with uh, William Legate, a progressive tech entrepreneur, to directly compete. And that's his point, is to directly compete with Mike Lindell. And, of course, anything that he posts on this is filled with simps out there that keep saying, well, I had a, I bought a MyPillow and it was terrible, so I burned my MyPillow. Whatever. Well, Mike Lindell still got your money, so. Yeah, exactly. But he is... Uh, supposed to be taking a back seat to this and then continuing on with his studies is the way this mm -hmm. is supposed to be going. But uh, yeah, I kind of think that you might be right now that you bring it up. I didn't think about this when I first talked about this. And once again, I really think that they're just going to stick his face on the on the packaging. Oh, that would be awful. Whoever thought that was a, mar a good marketing idea is an idiot. Well, just give me the fucking iPhone already and I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> that's, that's that person. Yeah. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong. He does have a, a, a sort of simp-like following online. He does. And there are yeah. people out there, if you read his comment sections, he's, there are people out there who are going to buy this pillow just because he's endorsed it. Of course. He is a social media personality. That is what he is. That is his purpose. He's a influencer. But to be fair, there are also people who have bought my pillow just because Mike Lindell and Trump. Right. So. Oh, yeah. It's it's poison all across the board. Like, it, one side is not worse about it than the other. Well, then, of course, David Hawk can get up there and get on a soapbox and say, well, mine is built in union shops because, you know, progressives care about the union again suddenly. Right. All right. All right. I got one here. I thought you were going to enjoy this here. I got a surprise for you at the end. Okay. This is a good one. This isn't like the one last week where you had no idea what the hell was going on. This is a good one here. Okay. So you remember all the Bernie memes that were going around? The mittens and everything else like this? Yes. I'm going to read from The Blaze. Uh, San Francisco public school teacher Bernie Sanders in mittens at inauguration embodies white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege. A San Francisco public school teacher just penned an op-ed stating that U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders, Socialist Vermont, wearing mittens at President Joe Biden's inauguration, the popular image so many people had fun with recently embodies white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege. The author of this piece, Ingrid Sayer Ochi, who's also a former UC Berkeley and Mills College professor, because of course she is, an ex-Oakland Unified School District principal... <laughs> She began her piece in the San Francisco Chronicle by saying a few weeks back she processed the Capitol insurrection with her students, notably images of white men storming through the Capitol, fearless, and no forces to stop them. Sire Ochi recalled, she told her students at the time, this is white supremacy, this is white privilege. It can be hard to pinpoint, but when we see it, we know it. 
Then she said she and I mean, her high school. I don't. Okay, so I don't disagree with that, though, because if that had been the BLM protesters, they would have opened fire, no doubt. See, you and I differ on that because I'm pretty sure if they were BLM protesters, Nancy would have invited them in and gave them a cup of coffee. No, I, they would have op- the Capitol Police would have opened fire. Regardless of what Nancy Pelosi wanted, that's what would have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, she then said her high school has analyzed image from, uh, images from the inauguration. The question was said, what do we see? Sayer Ochi's answer was that we saw diversity, creativity, and humanity, and a nation embracing of all this and more. And while she acknowledged that Sanders was barely on our radar on Inauguration Day, the following day, he was everywhere. Mittens of white privilege, what do we see, Sayer Ochi recalled in her op-ed, asking her students once more the answer. They saw a white man in a puffy jacket and huge mittens, distant, not only in his social distancing, but in his demeanor and attire. It's cold. You wear a coat. That and the fact that he's a thousand fucking years old and he doesn't have good circulation anymore. Yeah, there's that too. Yes, this is a real article too, by the way. I know. I remember seeing something on Twitter. Somebody tweeted something like, um, I don't know. It was something to the effect of, uh, like, hey, Bernie, can you just like sit up and pay attention and pretend like you're happy to be here like women have to do every single day? What? If you don't want to be there, don't go. <laughs> oh. I just thought it was funny. I know. I, I thought you would enjoy this uh, this particular article, too. I thought you would get a, get a kick out of this. And like I said, I'm sure you knew about the it's article. It's hilarious but... and totally detached from reality. But okay. Well, <laughs> people like Sarah Ochi live in, a, uh, live in a life where they are totally detached from reality. True. It's that, that Berkeley water. That is all that I have. Let's see what the live chat has to say, and then we will head on out of here. What a day. Suppose I can take David Hogg's tweet down too, because that's been up since we talked about him. Still trying to find where you're caught up, or did you uh, lose that too? Um, right where I said I'm back. That's when I logged back into Restream. So I don't have any of the comments above that. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Uh, we'll see what we've got going on here. Um, Ron was said he was in a play where he played a woman, had to wear a wig, dress in high heels. He was quite fetching, which I have not seen Ron before. I've heard his voice because he's, he's been on a Discord chat with us. But I've never seen him before. And I just know that he's like a 60-something guy with chickens. That's all that I know. Uh, Joshua J.E. Houselander says, see a movie. I watched Star Trek Nine the other night. Of course, it had to do with current events. You know which one Star Trek Nine is, right? No. Insurrection. Oh, okay. Um, Chilaga says, I'm looking to Robert's Rules of Order. I made that comment to jest. I don't know what Robert's Rules of Order are, unfortunately. You will soon. Uh, Barry Anderson says, I want my money back already once you said the title. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Oh, maybe it's because you disappeared off of there. Oh, maybe. 
Uh, Ron was in several plays in high school. Spartan was in several gangs in high school, apparently. Uh, everyone's asking <laughs> if you got canceled. No, you're back. Uh, Joshua said, did you just woman-splain my comments away? I didn't see which uh, which one that one was. I don't either. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, yeah, Chilaga says, I want to be careful here. The Time Mag article is kind of making it seem like they're bragging about allegedly the election being completely above board with nothing bad happening. Um, Charlie Larkin says, I read the Time article. Great look into how the sausage is made. While no Trump fan, one thing he was absolutely right about is DC is a festering swamp, and that article proved it. Yes, it is. Uh, Eric Chenault is asking if this is live. Yes. Uh, there are no two parties. The globalists are after we the people. And they're also putting chemicals in the water to turn the frickin' frogs gay. Oh, that reminds me. This broke today. It probably won't be a big news story, but I'll mention it. Um, speaking of water, hackers hacked into a water treatment plant in Florida and changed the chemical levels in the water treatment plant so the water became unsafe to drink and they had to issue a notice to not drink the water. That was in Florida? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go check on the Gen Gap guys. Have you all been poisoned? Are you good? I don't think Robert and John are in here. Which is lame because I played their clip. Um, <gasps> you can tell them on their show. I told John to reach out to you because I want to see you take the political compass test on their show. Oh. I want to see where you land versus me. I'll tell you off mic where I landed. Um... GOP and DNC are attached to the same dirty bird. Chilaga says Reddit Bros will give you a good seven seconds. Let's see. McConnell wants us to show spoon. I don't have a spoon over here, do I? I've got a yeah, spork. Yeah, that's what I said. I, was like, I don't have a spoon. I don't a know. Spork. There you go. Let's see. Shill for forks. Uh, Damon Horner says, GME was not in all Reddit. Big players behind the social media made this happen. Active traders killed the 401k participation. Uh, Eric Chenault says, dual citizenship should not be allowed in our leadership. And CIA plant hog. Um, Ron says, uh, Spartan, are you sure those weren't called clubs instead of gangs? Um, I'm not going to read what Charlie Larkin put because that's uh, that's Susan Bate right there. <laughs> Chilaga says, Eric, you got to get off YouTube. Um, I love the Clintons. I voted for Joe. Sorry to hear. Apologies for your brain cells. Uh, Barry Anderson says, as much as being a two-way advocate, I dislike Hogg. I want to end to school shootings and senseless violence with firearms without taking people's rights away. But Hogg and that group have made so much money off that tragedy. Yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm not going to tell that joke. That one's a Susan Bate one, too. You know what I mean? They're sneaky. No, I had one going through my head, but uh, that one's Susan Bate, Oh, okay. Joshua E. Hauslander says, I would rather lick the dumpster outside of an abortion clinic than sleep on Hog's pillow. Yikes, okay. Did we we must lose Doss Deal Live because Ron's over on YouTube, too. Um, McConnell Smuggles Coke says every space laser is a Jewish space laser, and that is the tamest thing that Chad has said tonight, by the way. 
that one can get around uh, the the Susan things. Um, Kurt Howard says Iron Maiden in Boston for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm okay with that. I like both of those bands. Okay. Um, I find it. Most what funny. movie should we make? What movie should we make Ed watch for next week, you guys? Oh yeah, that's right. Because you've got that announcement to make too. What announcement? What? I'll remind you after I'm done with chat. Okay. Because I'll probably do it in the outro. You guys, I say things and I forget about it, and he has to tell me what I said. Um, Shalaga says, I find most things funny, but the Bernie thing didn't make me laugh. Well, it made me laugh, so... Well, Shalaga, you already heard that, because I read that at Contemporary, too, last Tuesday. Um, Charlie Larkin says, Florida man goes high-tech. Shalaga says, elect me to trolling czar. Uh, <laughs> Spartan says, such a facility should not even be connected to the net. Yeah, probably true. Yeah, true. Apparently, Brightburn is the movie, because they were talking about that earlier. Or Space Force is another one. Or Space Balls, rather, not Space Force. The future of Space Force. All right, and that is going to be it. That's what I got there. Thanks, everybody who hung out. And I think we're going to get on out of here. What do you think? Sounds good to me. That means that I can click this button right here. All right, and I want to thank everybody who came by and chatted with us through the night tonight, kept us honest, kept us on point, and uh, brought us some new information to talk about. Remember, if you want to get in and check out Contemporary and help guide the show, you can check out the Discord and the Gilded server. In the description below, you have full access to the both of us to come and talk to us. You can put articles in there. That's how I get all my articles for Contemporary, so come and check that out. You can also find links for the YouTube, DLive, and Twitch up in the description that you're seeing on the YouTube side as well, where you can go and check out my other channels. You can go continue to follow Elaine as well over there. You can go support us both on either Subscribestar or Patreon. You can check us out, or I've got my PayPal in the description below as well. Throw us a couple bucks. Help us get some of the tech issues taken care of, because I know we're uh, we're, no, we're a little duct tape production over here, but uh, we're the little duct tape production that tried. And next weekend, over on the Libertarian Redhead channel, tell us what's going on there. You guys asked the last week, who is this Ed person that you're hosting this podcast with? So I promised that we would do uh, an episode, a special episode of the Red and Ed show where you guys could meet Ed officially. So we are going to be doing that this coming Saturday on Libertarian Redhead page. I'm going to create an event for it so you guys can see the time we agreed on 7 p.m. EST. Uh, we'll probably do 10 or 15 minutes about who is Ed. And then the rest of the time, uh, maybe for another 30 minutes or so, we'll just do an AMA. So you guys can ask both of us a question, one of us a question, however you want to do it. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. And we're we're going to do a happy hour. So I'm going to have a drink. Ed's going to have a drink. Bring a drink. We all hang out together. It looks like you froze up over on that side, too. You're uh, a little bit garbled in uh, um, your speech. And uh, you are frozen. Oh, now you're back. But yeah, we heard everything off of that. So yeah, come back and check us out uh, next Saturday. That will be at 7 Central Time. Or, or 6 Central Time, 7 Eastern. I can hear you now. I don't know what's going on with our connection here, but we got to get this out finished out. And you, if you're just catching up now, you can catch us back also on demand on YouTube and over on bitshoot.com. Both of those are linked in the description. Come back out and check us out. Or if you want to take us on the go, you can take us on the audio platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And if it gets processed tonight, like it has been over the last couple of weeks, 
I will get that up on the audio, this episode up on the audio, uh, audio platforms, if I can even talk yet tonight. So go ahead and check that out. It looks like I'm losing my co-hostess here. So I'm going to lead us out of here saying never take the words of bloggers, podcasters, or journalists as gospel. Find all the facts and draw your own conclusions. And you guys have yourselves a good night. Take care and we will see you next time.